Hi everybody, I'm Peter Travers. This is Popcorn, where we tell you what's popping in the culture. And one of my favorite, and I mean this, one of my favorite TV shows is Yellowstone. But before we get into any of that, Kevin Costner, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you are. You. Thank you. And congratulations on season two. Thank you. Yeah. What attracted you to this? Well, it's, it's, it's way more complicated than that. Uh, you know, life usually is, and sometimes there's a different, there's a different spin on it. When I was approached with this, where it was going to be one long movie, a 10-episode movie, like a Hatfield and McCoy's. Huh. And somewhere along the line, um, the show got put together, and it was no longer going to be that. And I felt, in a way, a lot of it had been put together because of me. Mm -hmm. um, agreeing that I would do it. And so lo and behold, it went from one season to suddenly it was going to be a multi-season thing. And I had to make a real fundamental decision there. And I, I, thought, I, I thought actually, if I would have said, well, now I'm not doing it, that maybe it might have crumbled before it got started. And so I, I kind of took the weight on of, of uh, emotionally not wanting to have the show crumble, but that's not how it started. Describe a little to those people who haven't seen it yet who John Dutton is. Who is this? He's a, he's a patriarch of a, a family that's been in Montana uh, since the 1800s. You can call it five generations, if you will. He's a person that's kind of locked in the past, but also has a mentality of a CEO. So he's actually blown the ranch up into the largest contiguous piece of property in, in the United States and is conducting modern day ranching. That life is still going on. People are still making a living on horseback. And in Montana, it's alive and well, although it's a struggle, just the same way as it's been for farmers. And the, the normal things that ranching struggles with are no longer what his ancestors dealt with. He's now dealing with outside forces, with the EPA, with Native American rights, with casinos, urbanization. The idea that on his death, um, his children will not inherit this land. It'll be just because of inheritance. These are external pressures, and he's not able to arbitrate those problems the way his predecessors did, which was when they had no agents, no publicity people, no lawyers. You handled your problems on your property, and that DNA is alive and well in, in uh, Yellowstone. You're never really attracted to somebody who's just black hat, you know, or white. He's not. He also has qualities, John, right. that's there. Yeah, this, you know, this series has unfolded for me very much like it has the audience, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. Now, like I said, I did a pilot, and that's all that was there. There were no other episodes. And so the arc of this show is revealing itself not only to an audience on broadcast, but it's really revealing itself to me as scripts come come to me. So that's a that's a different way of working than I've ever worked before. So are you enjoying it? Is this uh, this whole idea of doing a TV series enjoyable to you? I, I, you know, I love working and I love working in this kind of, you know, in, in this genre, although it's not a Western. It's this is modern day. So I like putting myself there. I just have to sit back and kind of analyze this situation when it's all done because I'm in the middle of it as we go and it's really you know it's 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 a um, it's um, it's organized chaos what is your attraction to the western why is it something that that you've done so often because dances with wolves is 
the main deal. I mean, we all remember it. It's uh, an Academy Award winner. You've right. won an Oscar for it. To me, you made another Western that I think is the equal of that called Open Range. Thank you. Which is a, uh, you directed as well. And it's about that. It's about the people that live in this place. Yeah. It's not just much, oh, look at the scenery. It's great. It's also about what the scenery it, it, does to they, those people. They're literary. They have to be literate. You know, it's too much black hat, white hat. It's too much people saying, yep, nope. It's not the truth. It was a Victorian age. People wrote beautiful letters. Mm -hmm. Their use of the language. The common cowboy, yeah, he was shy. He was, there, there was an economy of language. They didn't feel like they needed to fill up the air. So it's, it's, there's, a, there's a musical dance that I feel when I do a Western, and my, my draw to it isn't the gunfight. My draw is it into how people talk with each other and, and, the, and the real randomness that was out there in the West for violence and the, and the type of characters that were finding themselves on the West after the Civil War. There was no place. If you believe that current war heroes and people in war are dealing with this post-traumatic stress, which we do believe that. Imagine, imagine when half the country was fighting and when that war was off, over, where those people went. And a lot of them could never go home again. And a lot of them found themselves out in the West with disturbed and a lot of, and there was no law out there. Have you always been a Western fan? I'm not a fan of all we most Westerns. I'm a fan of only about five, 10. That's five to much. 10. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I love the beauty of the country, but I won't tolerate bad language, meaning literacy mm -hmm. of a Western in, in, on, on TV or in film. I hate it. I don't like it when it's dumb. Uh, I don't, uh, because I think there's such great opportunity because the architecture of a Western should be to actually frighten you. Sitting in the dark watching something, thinking that could have just happened to me and I don't know what I would have done. Too often, you know, movies start with, you know, 50 people dead, and that gives that person a right on a revenge killing. Certainly revenge played a, a big part. People that continue to kill, you know, we think about the Hatfields and McCoys as a great vendetta. Vendettas happened for 60 years after the Civil War were over. People were still getting even with other people or using that war as a terrible excuse to get even with something, to take. America was a wide open place, and R violence was random and when you and when you really invest in the writing to actually make that a character the randomness and it can be really scary to be out there by yourself to be a decent man mm -hmm. and come across psychopaths what was the first western you saw that had an effect on you it was how the west was won oh the grand scale i remember hearing spencer tracy's voice and and, and the camera was moving over these mountains, and then it, and I was thrilled by nothing being there. And then all of a sudden I saw this canoe going across the lake where there wasn't a ripple, and it was Jimmy Stewart in a birch bark. And what happens, the costumes were very authentic. And I knew right, and that's what I, even as a five-year-old, I didn't like Western because they look phony. They didn't fight right. They, they, they didn't draw right. They didn't move. But in that one, I started to see art direction that was, and, and he paddles across the lake, ends up on a shore where there's exotic people in feathers and furs were standing there. They were authentically looking, and I was thrilled with the beauty of it. And I love that this guy on his own came up to those people and was unthreatened. 
And I thought, what kind of guy is that? So I built three canoes after that. <laughs> Great. I did. Jimmy Stewart's coming in his canoe, right? You That's know, it. I, no, I, I mean, so that we understand that these images fire our imaginations. I mean, you've become a critic. There was some reason that happened to you. I don't know if it was a definitive moment where you thought, I don't. I don't act, I don't do this, I don't do this, but I can write about it. Mm -hmm. I can sense something. The great, you know, you don't have to be a great athlete to know what a great athlete is. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a great singer to know when you're hearing a great singer. You don't have to be able to direct a movie in order to critique one. Mm -hmm. The idea of finding your own yellow brick road where you felt the most comfortable, where you've made your reputation, at least professionally, you know, you had a definitive moment. I didn't have a definitive moment that I would be an actor because I actually, I was a pretty naive kid and a very conservative background. I actually thought that the people who were on screen were born on the screen. Mm. I didn't think that was an option for me. I, I, you know, I was born in Compton, California. And I didn't think that that could be, that was a, you know, that was, that's what somebody else does. But, but I could look at it and go, that's phony. I could look at it and go, that's real. I could look at it and say, that moved me. And what I knew for a long time was I actually understood how to isolate what it was I was seeing. Yeah. I could see where it went off track or I could see where it went. And being really experienced in the business, I, I have a lot of empathy because I know how they get off track. You went from being a naive kid who just was overpowered in some way by what he saw and wanted to be a part of it. You wouldn't build the canoes if you didn't. You right. Know, I want to be there. I want to. I want to be one of those it. men. There, then, then there's this practical idea that I could maybe work in that business. So if I look at the breadcrumbs of my life. I see that I was writing poetry. I see mm -hmm. that I was writing stories. I see that I was playing music, that I was in a choir. You know, my desire to perform, but I never translated it into how you would get a check. I just thought those were things I loved, but the background that I grew up with was a real kind of blue collar, you get a job, you go do this, and mm -hmm. that's what you're gonna do. And you said a conservative background. And a really conservative background. Yeah. So you become into a, a whole world where that isn't the case, where there are, in Hollywood, it's especially liberal, you know, right. when you come into it. How did you react to that? Well, actually, I was really glad to um, experience liberal points of view. I, I, uh, I kind of... Um, my foundation is conservative, but not my view of the world. My view of the world is a, is a not everybody can pick themselves up by their bootstraps. Mm -hmm. When you have 300 million people, people fall through the cracks. And if you don't, if you look over and say they're just not hustling, they're, they, they could work. They got two legs. They got, I, that's, a, that's a very small example. I have a lot more empathy. Um, you know, and, uh, from, and, and it doesn't mean conservatives don't, but it means um, a different point of view. I listen. I I was uh, I, I was against all the people who were against the Vietnam War, and I but I was 13, and my brother was in Vietnam, wow, and my parents at the table when they'd look at the TV and see people protesting, and spitting on the soldiers and calling them baby killers. My parents hated the quote unquote hippies. They mm -hmm. hated the protest marchers, only to 
find out 40 years ago it was wrong for them to send my brother to Vietnam. There was no real reason for that. And he was just there. It was it yeah. was and so what I'm saying is so from a conservative background I I was still hearing the voices of my parents for a long time. I had to find my own voice. I wasn't an angry teenager. I I actually had empathy for my parents because they were so worried about my older brother that I thought I didn't really want to cause him trouble. And it seems to me that you as an actor too uh as well as a director, when you're doing something, you're fascinated by the sort of the man in the arena, the guy that is in this place, whether it's sports, you know, whether it's baseball or it's a golf and tin cup. Or, yeah. And it's a, a kind of thing where Field of Dreams has just had its 30th anniversary. What do you, do you look back on that and think about that movie when it has an anniversary like that, when people are talking about it again? I look back on it and it feeds into a, a, a a, a premise I've had a long time, which is that if if you you know we, you go back through your Rolodex of movies, there's your classic movies, mm -hmm. and you, so what I do is when when I go through the Rolodex, I look at that and I say to myself, every movie you do has a chance to be this, so you have to try to choose as carefully as you can with the idea that that's what you want it to be. Mm -hmm. And you have to believe that you shouldn't be surprised that a movie's a success. You should be surprised if a movie is a phenomenon. <laughs> well, but yeah. you shouldn't be surprised that it's good or it's a success because you f should have felt that at the beginning when you said yes because you're gonna rip your way from, from your family. You're gonna go somewhere in the world and make this. And if you have a family, that means you're, you're absent from them for a little bit. So men make a living, women make a living, and you have to, you have to make the choices about work. But for me, the, what I'm gonna put myself, what, am I, what I'm gonna give time, I have to really look at it and decide, can this, can this, can this uh, stand? Will this stand in some way? You know, I don't like missing the thing that my kids do. On the other hand, I have to live my life, and that's what I want them to do. They see that I live my life. They're the focus of my attention. But when I'm away from them, one day they will go and look at the things that I've done, and they're not capable of always seeing the movies I've done because they're ours in certain instances. But they'll look back and they'll go, maybe I'll get that, maybe we'll have that conversation. I know now why you did that. I, I'm really... I love seeing you. I didn't know anything about what this Field of Dreams movie was. There's also movies that stand the test of time. Yeah. So I bring up that. Bull Dorm is also like it just had a 30th anniversary. Right. You, those movies have stood the test of time. Right. To me, uh, the Ron Shelton Tin Cup thing that you did about there, the golfers. It, it was all in the writing. There, it's, but it's, you can watch it and it's speaking to you now. It's and in if the they writing. can do that, then that's kind of... It's the writing. Things. It will always sustain something. I'm a I'm I, I start and end with writing. Um, my career has been propped up by it. Well, that's good, but there's a lot of elements, including. Well, the no, and that's when you thing. see a movie. Yeah. That's when you see a movie get off. I can tell when a movie gets off. I don't have to wait for the opening weekend <laughs> to know. I could see that it happened when either the writing got manipulated. I can see when it was perhaps cast wrong. Mm -hmm. I can see it when. When we, we started to reshoot an ending because they decided they wanted the movie to go from an R to a PG because it would attract a bigger audience. So it's almost like a salmon headed upstream. There's really a lot of things that can kill a movie.
from a six-year-old boy with a treble hook. Just <laughs> that, or a big old bear, or chemicals. Like, there's a lot of things, you know, you know, you know, of fear-based decisions. You know, you can't get to classic without breaking the mold of something. I wanted to take at least one or two questions that we get from outside. Right. So let's look at one of these before I finish what my thought was. Joe L says, how does it feel to shoot on such a beautiful ranch? Does the atmosphere affect the way you act? I tell you, um, it doesn't affect the way I act, but I tell you what it does do is that you can either work in, I don't like doing movies with ties. Uh, and I've done it, JFK. <laughs> no ties. And, you know, I mean, I mean, no, no, I mean, but I, what I'm saying <laughs> is, I'm not as comfortable in the city. Mm-hmm. And, and I realize that I have this great job that takes me around the world. But when I find myself out in the West, I wake up every morning and that's, that's my office. That's what I'm looking at. And so I know, I know what they're asking. And I will say, it's not that it necessarily informs my acting, uh, although it creates a set um, that, that, you know, it's just, you know, there's two things for me in the, in the, in the business that I've chose. One is that, is that there's the movie I make, and two, there's the experience I have. I don't value the outcome of a movie and its box office more than my experience. They equate. I want that obvious thing mm-hmm. for the movie to be successful, but I never let the idea that what it did box office negate the experience that I had. I, I won't let it outweigh it. This show always ends in something musical. I was going to ask you about Kevin Costner and Modern West. Mm-hmm. How are they doing? Well, we continue to write. We actually wrote three songs that are in Yellowstone. I need a little uh, bit of no. you. Oh, come on. No, Police. No. I need it desperately. It's terrible to see you beg. Beg, isn't it sad? You, you know, you I could sit. throw the popcorn. I could give you more, you know? No, Not even I, a hum? No, 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 no. Um, there's, a, there's a song I wrote about, uh, co-wrote, you know, about um, 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 my wife in that uh, song. And it goes, uh, I still wake up every morning. You're the first thing to cross my mind. I still smell your sweet perfume in the early afternoon when that mountain wind comes blowing through the pine. See, it worked that I begged. Yeah. You know, <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah. And thank you for coming. I'm probably going to get cream for that. 